Well, welcome to EKU Online's eCast series. And today we're fortunate to have Dr. Dana Keller Bush with us. She is the chair of the Department of Applied Human Sciences and professor of child and family studies. She holds a PhD in studies in higher education from the University of Kentucky and an MS in family studies with an early childhood development emphasis also from the University of Kentucky. Dr. Bush's research interests are in early childhood curriculum and leadership. She has presented these findings at numerous national and international conferences, as well as published in scholarly journals. Well, welcome, Dr. Bush. So glad to have you here today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, Dr. Bush, you um, first off, can you just tell us a little bit about your department and the programs that make it up? Sure, yeah. So, um, as you said, we're the Department of Applied Human Sciences. Now, I will say that um, that's relatively a new um, name for our department. So, that's been on for about 12 months. We were previously Family and Consumer Sciences. So, some people may um, remember that, that department. So, now we're, we are Applied Human Sciences. And within this department, uh, we currently have two majors child and family studies with three concentrations. So you would have a, a major a degree in child and family studies and then choose one of three concentrations, child development, family studies, or interdisciplinary early childhood education. And that third concentration we, we, um, we call IECE and that's a certificate to teach in the public schools through kindergarten. So, um, so that's our first major. Our second major is food and nutrition. And under food and nutrition, we have two concentrations, dietetics and then culinary nutrition and food management. So those are our two um, active programs that you can enroll in. We also have two other programs that we're phasing out and look to rework in the next year. The, those two are family and consumer science education and apparel design and merchandising. So we, we do have students enrolled in those programs and taking classes in those, but we are not accepting new students. Um, but we're looking at how we can re retool both of those majors under one. So um, stay tuned for that, Steve. Okay. Um, your graduates, what fields or disciplines do they end up moving into once they complete their degrees? Yeah, so uh, those that receive a degree and or earn a degree in uh, food and nutrition would become um, um, diabetes educators, uh, cancer dietitian, food service dietitian, nutrition researcher. Uh, we have graduates that um, are very passionate about, about world hunger and work in more of a public sector. So those would be those uh, students who have gone into our food and nutrition with that dietetics concentration. For those that uh, do more of the culinary and food um, management concentration, those are going to be more your um, uh, restauranteurs, those that work in food service, maybe want to look at management in food service really have a passion for um, culinary and food and uh, maybe trying new things. So, so all of that falls under the food and nutrition. And then child and family studies, which um, is, is my degree and my, uh, my real interest, uh, research interest, is a, very, is a varied program. So we have students that uh, work in community-based services like with 
uh, adoption agencies, foster care, YMCA, 4-H, um, after school programs, those that want to do more of a education piece. So uh, maybe with family life education, community education, those that want to look at um, early childhood or have more of an early childhood focus could work in preschools as a preschool teacher, kindergarten teacher, um, first steps, which is uh, working with children birth to three um, that has some identified special needs. Um, I mean, faith-based organizations, healthcare. I mean, you can go on and on and on about child and family studies. This degree is fantastic for a, um, gives you a really broad look at how to work with children, families in many different ways. Many of our students will go on to receive master's degrees in family therapy, art therapy, and child life um, specialist. Wow, That's, that sounds like an amazing degree. It's a uh, lot, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but it's amazing though. Um, a number of years ago, um, your, your area went online uh, with some programs. What kind of impact have those online programs had on your departmental growth and your student population? Sure. Um, well, first, I think the, the first impact we saw was on faculty. Moving into e-learning has challenged our faculty, and um, we really have become more intentional, if, uh, if that makes sense. I think that, that our instruction, not that we weren't good to begin with, we were, um, but we're, we're just a little bit more fine-tuned, I think, in the way that we look at structuring our classes and um, and providing those to students, be it on the eCampus platform or on in the bricks and mortar. Um, so I think that's the first real positive effect that going that uh, offering this uh, degree online has done. And then uh, with students, you know, there's there's been a lot of uh, I think it, it's very individualized for the student, um, but being able to to reach those students that live in areas that cannot come to campus, that have wanted to, um, to receive a degree in higher ed and child and family studies, uh, it's just been so impactful for them because many of, many of our students have been working in childcare or in Head Start, but haven't been able to receive that, that next promotion or that uh, next level of care for young children because they lack a degree. Uh, so that has really opened up opportunities for um, students that live in uh, outlying areas. Then um, the growth of our program has, uh, you know, it, it, I think this is maybe our fourth, fifth year. Uh, we really have seen tremendous growth in the program. We've about doubled our numbers. Uh, and this fall we see the biggest class of, um, for our eCampus program. So, um, we're really, really excited about the, the number of students we have and, um, and the effect that we're having on their lives. Oh, very good. That's, that's very exciting. Yeah. Um, I took a look at one of your classes. I hope you don't mind. Oh, no. It's <laughs> program planning for preschool curriculum. And in the class, you deal with topics uh, ranging from the foundation of early childhood through the various curricular domains and how to develop activities around those domains. I mean, as I looked at it, 
it looked like a cross between the disciplines of psychology and education. Um, I, I don't think many people are really aware of the educational status of the child care worker that graduates from a program like ours. Unfortunately, some people think of child care still as babysitting. Well, Dr. Bush, please speak to this misconception and to the rigor of the program that you, you all have put in place. Sure. Well, you just happened to pick one of my favorite classes, uh, CDF 406. <laughs> I, I love that class um, because it really is where, where all this stuff starts coming together. You know, those 200 and 300 level classes that students have been taking, um, it, it all kind of melds together into this upper division curriculum class that's 400 level. So yes, there are elements of psychology, sociology in this, in this class because in the beginning of um, the curriculum, students learn about different theories um, like Erickson's theories, um, Piaget, you know, those are, are some that we really um, pull upon when we look at curriculum. You know, how does a child develop, developmental theorists? Uh, because before we can write a curriculum, develop a curriculum for a child, we have to understand their development. Um, you know, a, a, a example I always give is with uh, two-year-olds. You know how um, sometimes two-year-olds go through a period of biting I don't know if you've, you've ever been around a, a child, you know, not, not every child bites, um, but you know, it's very, it's very concerning when that happens because it, it shows aggression and, you know, um, but there's a reason why children do that. And it's, it's a developmental reason. It, it has to do with the speech and language and that, um, so their speech and language may be a, a little bit delayed, a little, little bit behind um, others. And so they get frustrated straight and they don't know really how to communicate with you so um so what they do they might bite you you know or they may throw something um so so we understand that that's a level of communication well as a teacher of young children because i know that and i understand those developmental stages then um, i would develop that curriculum around those needs so um, so that's kind of where the psychology comes in, the sociology. Uh, we have a, one theorist, Yuri um, Bronfenbrenner, that he, he took this ecological systems approach to, um, to, to development of children and families. And, and it, I won't go into the whole thing, but it's really fascinating. And uh, so we pull from that theory to understand children in society that um, you know we can kind of see that children is kind of like the nucleus of a circle and um, and all around the child they're being affected by different things and so um, for most children the closest person or the closest people to that inner circle is their family so uh, so we know that they're going to have the biggest impact um, but it's not for all children it could be a, a foster family. It could be, you know, many, many different things. Um, so that's why when you look through that class, you saw elements of psychology and sociology, because those are the theories that, that we really pull from. Um, and then, you know, you brought up the whole babysitting issue and yeah, it is kind of unfortunate. It's not kind of unfortunate. It's really unfortunate that, um, some of society views early childhood educators as babysitters 
or daycare workers, which we don't like to use that term either because we're caring for children, a precious resource uh, to our nation, to the world. And that, um, you know, we know that uh, development is so important in those first few years of life. You know, the brain is developing at a very fast rate that will never develop like that in, in the future. So it's really important that we have uh, nurturing caregivers with them that understand their development. Because, you know, let's go back to that two-year-old who bites. So, so what if someone was caring for that child that didn't understand their development? Well, that child could be punished for something that, that is not a punishable offense, if I may say, because, um, because really they're, they're progressing along this developmental line. So it's important for us to know those things. Um, does that answer your, your question, Steve? Yeah, yeah, it's very good. It's very good. And, and that kind of segues into this next question. You know, for those parents of young children listening to us right now, what should parents look for in a good child care provider? Yeah, you know, so this is a real struggle for parents um, because childcare, you know, you, um, you're thrilled to have this baby, this child to care for, to nurture. Um, but then, you know, you have a, a family with both are employed, which is important. Um, and so you want to find a place for this child to, to go every day or however, however often um, and to be cared for and nurtured. And, um, you know, finding quality childcare can be difficult. So there are some things that you should look for. Um, number one, the number one indicator of quality is teacher preparation. You know, is it a professional workforce? Do they have degrees? Um, and, you know, this will vary by state and licensing requirement if a degree is required um, for childcare. But that will be the number one indicator of quality, that the teachers uh, in, in this center have higher education in child development, curriculum planning, uh, understanding environments, and, and those types of things. So that's number one, look for that. Look for a, um, a leader that uh, has a college degree, a director, an administrator, you know, so that they will understand um, specific early childhood policies and then can help guide those teachers as well. When, um, when, when teachers do have professional degrees, you will see that they will um, provide a curriculum that's developmentally appropriate. And um, so that means that it's going to be um, appropriate for that child's age, but also appropriate for that child where they're at developmentally. Because we all know that not all children start walking at the age of 12 months, right? There's a bit of a span. So, um, so we have to understand that um, there, there is a developmental continuum, but you know, how, how does that or child, excuse me, develop individually? So we're all developing, uh, you know, in our own rate. So that they, um, so that's important. Teacher child ratio is also really, really important that um, they, they should definitely not exceed the standards by the licensing agency of the state. But we know that when, um, when there are fewer children 
and uh, with with one or two teachers that you're going to see more interaction than you would if there were more children to that one teacher. So, and our accrediting body, the National Association for the Education of Young Children, or NAEYC, has um, a standard of quality and ratios that I always put uh, parents to. So look at that ratio and see if, if that center is meeting it. Um, other things, so, um, so the center shouldn't just be about caring for your child. It should also be about family engagement. Because remember, we talked about, you know, Bronfenbrenner and the ecological systems theory. So that family is so important to the development of the child that we've got to provide for families as well as for young children. So there should be plenty of family engagement activities, um, you know, lots of check-ins with parents that parents are coming in for parent-teacher conferences or different types of family nights. So really look for a lot of family engagement. Um, you also want a center that's very inclusive, and that goes back to that developmentally appropriate practice I talked about. Um, but, you know, we've got to be welcoming to all children and um, all families and, and knowing if a child needs a little extra assistance. So a very inclusive, welcoming environment is very, very important. Um, and I guess the last thing I would say is that look for a center where they're always improving. And uh, one of the ways that we know that is if they're going, if they're an accredited center, meaning that, um, you know, they have to do a portfolio every so often to show that they're meeting these certain standards, these criteria. Um, so, you know, there's a quality rating system for just about every state. So is the, the center uh, participating in the quality rating center? Because that's going to show um, a standard of quality and that they're serious, that they're willing to go the extra mile to, uh, to meet these standards. So those would be my recommendations. Very good. Thank you. That's very mm -hmm. good. You know, off air, we were talking a little bit about how tough 2020 has been. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about the challenges that parents are facing during the pandemic. I mean, many of, many of the people listening right now have to continue working at a job and somehow manage to care for their children. How do they do this? And what advice do you have for parents with preschoolers and young children I mean, during this very difficult time. Yeah, it, you know, it, it really is um, a challenging time. It's a challenging time for families in that uh, they are feeling a squeeze on uh, childcare, school age care, uh, work, and trying to, to, to do it all. And, you know, families want to do it all anyway. So um, they need more support than ever. And, um, you know, the, the schools and the childcare centers that their children are enrolled in, you know, we talked about that family engagement. We can still provide that family engagement even though maybe a family is homebound right now. Uh, so look to the teachers, look to the leadership of your school to, to provide you with activities that you can be doing. Um, you know, that, that's really important. So a good quality program will help you through that. Um, but regardless, you know, it's really important that children stay active. 
and you know, I, I work um, many hours a day. And I've thought that, wow, if my daughter Madeline was four years old, she's not, she's 21 now or almost, um, what would I have been doing with, you know, I've been putting myself in, in the, the uh, shoes of many of these families. And uh, one of the things I would make sure to do is to keep her really active. You know, that's going to help her, but it's also going to help me to get away from this screen for a little while you know um so so get up take those take those moments to um you know do some activities with your child even if it's just 10 minutes you know 10 minutes of um you know a few jumping jacks or uh, running around the house or some creative play uh, rough and tumble play that's going to be really important that's important for development number one but number two it's um, you know it's going to we call them we're going to shake those sillies out you know we're going to try to get some uh, movement in us and then we can calm you know so um, so take that time to to be active with your child it's going to be important uh, for you too because I don't know about you Steve but I do see myself I'm spending so much more time in front of my computer than I did yeah. nine months ago, you know? And um, so I'll have to remind myself, oh, Dana, you got to get up and walk around for a few minutes. Um, so if I had a young child, I would definitely want to involve them in that. Um, so keep them physically active, keep them mentally active. That, um, you know, and, and young children do have shorter attention spans, but there are things that we can do. We can set stuff up for them um, to keep them mentally engaged while, while, we're, um, while we're busy, you know, and be very honest with them. Say, um, you know, mommy's got a, I've got a really important meeting. I'm talking to my friend, Steve. I'm going to put my earbuds in. And uh, so I need to, to look at him and talk to him for a few minutes. And then after that's over, we'll do X, whatever that might be. So always giving them a little bit, okay, I've got to do this, but when I'm finished, you and I are going to do that. You know, so, um, so that will give them something to look forward to. So keeping them mentally active, um, creativity, you know, giving them things to, to do, let them make a mess. Children need to make a mess anyway, but uh, you know what, we're in the middle of a pandemic what's a little bit of paint going to make any difference, right? Uh, so, you know, give them some things to be creative with. And, and then, you know, when you get off that Zoom call, you may find a masterpiece waiting for you. Um, so those types of things, really watch the screen time. I know that young children are, you know, I mean, we've got four-year-olds who are doing Zoom calls now, right? Um, so they need a break from that as well. You know, so if, if in the evening your typical pattern has been to watch TV together, well, maybe don't do that right now. Find something active to engage each other in. Um, so, you know, try to decrease that screen time. And, um, you know, I think maybe the number one thing that parents need to do and families need to do right now is take times for themselves. You know, um, parents, the adults in children's lives are sometimes the, the last people to get any me time. Well, they probably need me time more than ever right now. So find little ways to, to get that adult time, you know, but if it's just going on a walk by yourself or with a friend or, you know, so finding, finding some time for yourself, I think is really important. Thank you. Well, I'm going to switch gears here just a bit. Uh, you're in charge of a new online program called Global Hospitality and Tourism that will be kicking off in the 
well, in the not too distant future. Uh, it sounds like a really exciting uh, venture. Can you tell us a little bit about it and where you envision it taking us? Yeah, so um, this, it is so exciting. I've, we've had so much fun thinking about this new degree, um, uh, working on the classes. We're right in the middle of curriculum development right now. Um, the, the degree will be called um, Global Hospitality and Tourism. We'll have two different concentrations that students can choose. One is gastronomic tourism. Uh, that is going to have a more of a food focus and um, you know living here in Kentucky in the the heart of the bluegrass and we've got the bourbon trail and we're really becoming a, a, a well-known area for food um, that we thought it was really a, a good place for us to offer this type of contraction um, so we've got gastronomic tourism and then our second concentration is sustainable hospitality uh, we're really excited about that because as we as we see hospitality moving forward, um, you know we 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 have to do it with um, a level of increased responsibility. So how are we uh, being respectful to other cultures? How are we being respectful to our environment? How um, you know so that's part of what this sustainable hospitality will be. Um, we'll also be offering certificates in both of these. So if a student already has maybe a degree in business, they don't really want another degree, they can come back to us for a certificate in one of these two concentrations. Um, gosh, it's, it's really going to be cool. Um, some of the, the classes we've got, um, I mean, the food classes, I love food. Um, we've got a, a history of, um, of, of spirits and wine, which I think could be really interesting. I mean, if you're if you're a um, wanting to go into tourism and lead uh, gastronomic tours, then you're going to need to know some of the basics about um, you know culinary and wine and spirits and and how to how to run a, a tour, how to design a tour. Um, you know, we might have all been on on little tours before, but that's a lot of work. There's a lot of planning that goes into those. Um, so the it, it's just going to be great. Some of the classes that we were were working on, I'm like, oh, I want to take that one. Oh, now I want to take that one. You know, so I may have to come back and get another degree. <laughs> well, very good. Well, I, I hate to ask this next question, but I think it's an important one, especially mm -hmm. for students considering um, majoring or, or getting a certificate in global hospitality and tourism. But, you know, with this pandemic, one of the hardest hit industries has been the tourism business. And so just what are some of your thoughts about the comeback of this huge, I mean, multi-billion dollar industry? Is it risky now to launch such a program? Or what do you tell a prospective student in this profession who wants to major in this? Sure. Well, it, it has been hard hit. Absolutely. So travel is a, is a passion of mine. Um, I, I travel a lot during the year for work, but also for pleasure. Um, you know, I, I, I take students with me to different places. I teach um, a class abroad. Um, so, you know, my life has changed a lot since February 1st, because that was the last time I was on an airplane. And, um, and normally I would have been, you know, made many, many trips between now and then. 
Um, so, you know, but what am I feeling right now? I cannot wait to get back on an airplane. I cannot wait to go back to take my, to take my students to Italy again, um, or to Washington DC or to the next conference. Um, so you know, my husband and I, we talk about this, that we, you know, we, we kind of feel it building, you know, we know that it's, it, it, we need to stay home right now. We need to keep ourselves safe. We need to keep our family safe. Um, but as soon as the, it, it feels right, where are we going to go? You know, so we, we have these thoughts, we have these feelings and, and I know that we're not the only ones. So, um, I think that, I mean, I don't have a, a crystal ball, but I think people are going to, to go out and to, um, to travel like they haven't traveled before. It's going to look different. Absolutely. And maybe that's why it's such a great time to enter into this degree and for us to offer a new degree because it's new for us. It's all new research. We are, I mean, we're starting from ground one with the most current research, uh, the most, most current technology in hospitality and tourism. So when a student comes into our program, you know, it, it's all going to be the current trends, what's new, you know, because this is what we've been doing for the past year to, um, to get ready for the program. We know it, we've been reading it, we've studied it. Um, so I think that this program will go really, really well. And, um, what a better time to graduate than in two years or three years, depending on, on how, when a student comes into our program, um, you know, because the hospitality program will come back. We could look back at, nine um, 11 and we, we know that, um, tourism and hospitality took a hit then. And there was a recovery time. Absolutely. Um, but, but they came back, you know, the industry came back, um, and in a different way, absolutely. Think about the things that changed after 9-11, our security changed, um, you know, oh, you know, the, even our packing changed, right? You know, I mean, before when I went on a trip, I would just throw all of my hair accessories, you know, in, in a bag, but now, you know, I have to make sure it's three ounces. So um, I think that's, we're gonna see that with the pandemic as well, you know, when this, this is over and it's safe to travel again. Um, I'm not deterred. I think that it is a, um, an exciting time to be launching the program. I think it's gonna go really well. And you've got me excited about it. Maybe I'll go back for another degree too. <laughs> we can be study partners. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, Dr. Bush, and, and talk about teaching online a bit. What, what do you enjoy about this, this way of education, teaching online? Well, I really enjoy getting to meet um, a diversity of students that we might not have as, men, as much online. I have um, students that are in my online classes that have experience uh, working in the field and can really share that with the class. Yes. You know? so, so they come with, with richer perspectives. Now, I'm not saying that a 19-year-old, 20-year-old doesn't have a, a perspective, absolutely. But uh, the perspective of a 30-year-old that's been working in early childhood is going to be a little different, a little richer. So that's something I've really enjoyed. I've enjoyed that perspective of the students uh, and communicating with them. Um, 
I've really liked getting to meet students in different areas that, um, you know, that live in different areas currently. You know, we've got um, students in Florida, in Georgia, in California. We had a student that uh, was in Japan a couple of years ago. Um, her, um, she was a military spouse and um, they were stationed in Japan. So she, she completed her degree there and was going into early childhood centers uh, in Japan. So she was able to bring that perspective to the class, which was really, really cool. Um, so I lo I've loved uh, the student aspect. And as I spoke earlier, um, it, it's made me look differently at my teaching and my preparation. Um, one thing students may not know about online teaching is that we have everything ready day one. Everything is ready. Um, when I teach on campus, it may not be as ready, you know, um, because I don't have to have it deployed right then and there. Um, so it's really caused me to think ahead, think about things, how um, I'm, you know, when I come up with an assignment, what does that mean for the student? You know, so um, to, to go through our, our classes has to be, they have to be rated by quality matters. And um, so I have to get a score and I tell you, I'm, I'm, I really like to get 99s and 100s, you know, so I work extra hard to make sure that I'm meeting every little piece of that quality matters uh, for my online classes. And that articulates into my on-campus classes as well. So I really think it's made me be, um, as I said, a more intentional teacher and just um, more in tuned with, with the curriculum. Very good. Now, what would you say, Dr. Bush, to a prospective student who came up to you and maybe they're right out of high school or maybe they're in a career change and they come up to you and they say, why should I get a degree from your department? But more importantly, why should I get it online? What would you say to them? Yeah, so, um, you know, why getting it from our department? Well, number one, the Department of Applied Human Sciences, we're about changing lives. We, um, we're, we're kind of ground zero for supplying basic needs. You know, um, there's a, a Maslow is a theorist and he has this, um, this theory of the pyramid, you know, and you know, what we're all, all achieving is at the very top of the pyramid, you know, self-actualization, but to get there, even to get to step two, there's that foundation, that bottom of that pyramid where your basic needs are met. Um, you know, clothing, food, housing, those things, you know, um, love, family, you know, as we're going up the pyramid, but that's what, um, that's what our department's providing. That's what we're teaching, you know, so we're, we're change agents, we improve lives. Um, and so if someone is interested in working with children and family, if they're interested in foods, um, you know, nurturing others, then, then you know, we're your home, we're your family. That's, that's what we talk about. We are a family in, in, in our department. And, um, you know, eCampus online learning gives so many different opportunities. Um, it's, and, you know, and I think that it, I think some people are like, oh, do I want to do an online degree? Is it going to be the quality of a bricks and mortar degree? Well, let me say, yes, it is. 
And it goes back to what I was saying a few minutes ago about how that, you know, we're going through that quality matters curriculum and uh, we're making sure that um, our classes are, are meeting all of the standards that are necessary. And um, we're trying new technology. So our courses should be on the cutting edge of things. Um, then, you know, it gives students so much more flexibility that um, they can, they can, they can work, you know, if they choose, if, if they don't, that's fine too. Um, but, you know, there's a lot more flexibility in online learning and um, you can, you can travel and do things you can, you know, like, so for our students who need, you know, to do so many different build hours, well, they're not set to one place, you know, they, they could go, you know, a couple hours away and do some observations. Um, so I think it gives a lot more flexibility in, in what the students can achieve. Yeah, you know, um, when the pandemic hit in, in the spring, uh, there was a lot of negative talk about online learning because of the, the quickness and the speed that we had to adjust courses. But one thing that people forget is that there was a vast difference between online learning and remote instruction, because that's really what the spring was, was just trying to get a class that was completely face-to-face -face into some kind of online format. But real online teaching, um, as you mentioned, is something that's planned way ahead. It goes through quality checks. It's uh, thought through for the whole semester. And, um, you know, so one of the exciting things uh, about all this is getting people to understand what online teaching and learning is really about. And that it's not just some some rush job of, of trying to get something, you know, put together so you can have a class. Um, but it's actually a planned approach which is, um, uh, for most online students, very inviting and um, really very fun, I think. Oh, I think so too, yeah. I mean, when I develop a, a class, like you said, I don't think people understand how much time we put into it. You know, we develop, we spend months getting ready to, to, to deliver the course. And I had never done that before. I mean, not that I didn't prepare. I don't, I don't want anybody to think I was a slacker, um, but I didn't go so deep like I do now prior to teaching. Um, and, and that's made a, a big change, I think, in, in how we, uh, we teach. So, you know, when the, those of us that had online programs already, when the pandemic hit, we were like, we got this. We've done this. You know, and um, the feedback from our students was so strong. Um, even those those courses that we were teaching online or on campus that we had to switch, they they were so appreciative. They, um, you know, I, I, I feel good about what we did in the spring. I feel really good about what we're doing this fall as well. Good. Well, that's all the questions I have, Dr. Bush. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience today? Oh, I don't think so. You know, if there's um, any questions or follow up to any of the, the things that we've talked about, you know, contact me. We can um, we can discuss it further. I, I love to talk about our programs. I never, ever get tired of it. Um, ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just give me a call and, and I will just, I'll just talk forever then. <laughs> okay. 
Well, we want to thank you so much for your time and uh, just appreciate you uh, spending some, uh, some actually more than a few minutes you spent some time with us this afternoon and I just really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Steve.